Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yesterday we made some tough decisions. Um, I have great respect for Frank Reich. He's a fine man. I do have patience. I'm just not... (laughs) My reputation away from this game is one for extreme patience. You know, there's no reason why that doesn't, you know, come here too. It does. Now, that patience comes with good performance and things that you want to see progress be made on in different aspects. Um, and as you know, as I said, you know, I would like to have somebody here for 20, 30 years. I'd like to have somebody <laughs> that would say eulogy at my funeral in 30 years. Okay, maybe it's 40 years. I hope, but uh, that's what I'd like to have. There is so much that can be said in response to just that little sliver of time. So much that can be said that would probably have us fired before the end of this segment because all he has to do is pick up a phone call and we just disintegrate, right? (laughs) But let me start with this, Chris. Okay. I think there's one way that you can show respect, not even great respect, just basic respect for someone who was your employee. One way that you show the basic level of respect. Uh, I know where you're going here. Is to properly pronounce his name. (laughs) That's one way to show respect. I have great Uh. respect for Chris Seams. Chris Seams has been a great partner all these years. I mean, come on, man. Reich, are you kidding me? Now, maybe he was a little nervous, and it's nice to see that – like, it's nice to see the ivory tower billionaire acting like the rest of us and misspeaking or just doing things that makes him seem human. But even then, in that setting, and I get it, it's a serious moment. It's a suit and tie moment. But is it really a suit and tie moment? He didn't have a suit and tie on when he introduced Frank Reich back in January. It's just another thing that establishes distance between himself and and his ultimate customers here. He's got customers. He's got a fan base. He's got people who love the team, who want the team to do well, and are looking for something from the man who owns the team to make them believe that this darkness is going to yield to a dawn at some point. 
And starting off by getting the name of the coach wrong, the guy you just fired and calling him Reich, when no one has ever called him Reich. No one's accidentally called him Reich. There was never a time when anyone said, how do we pronounce this name? Is it Reich or is it Reich? And the, and the <laughs> original misunderstanding pops up from time to time. You know how that happens with yeah, some sure, people. Like, sure. we thought it was this, and now it's that. We thought so it was A-Chain, and it was A-Chan, right? You know? Exactly. Yeah, right. It was never that. Right. It was never... Oh, by the way, he <laughs> prefers Reich. Right. And then he changed it to Reich. There's no reason to even say Reich. Like, it, like you have to go out of your way. Maybe, maybe, it was, maybe it was accidentally on purpose. But that's just one piece. That's one of, like, five things we could talk about from that one clip. And that was the first 30 seconds of his press conference yesterday. Yeah, it's, you know, it's going to add to the, you know, the social media, the fan base, you know, inflaming the situation of, you know, our owner, our owner, and, you know, he's a problem, he's a problem. Look, our owner can't even say that the guy he paid millions of dollars to and hired last year, he can't even say his name and he's running our team. It just, it adds to that. It's not a good look in that way. I'm sure he was nervous. I hope he knows the guy's last name and Frank Reich. It is it is pretty remarkable. You're right. It's not like he came out of nowhere. Not only did he, you know, work for you for the last year or, you know, a little less than a year, but but also it's not like Frank Reich came out of nowhere. It wasn't like he was some unknown commodity in the coaching world and all of a sudden became a head coach or climbed the ranks that way. I mean, he I think it's pretty safe to say if you followed football at all, you knew Frank Reich's name in the early nineties, all right? At the very latest you know, probably mid '80s. If you really followed football and college you football, college what you did football. At Maryland, right? Yes, exactly right. So, but even to that, of course, the Bills and the comeback, you know, against the Houston Oilers, and they became kind of a legend right there. He did play in a Super Bowl when he came in for Jim Kelly getting banged up. So, yeah, it was kind of a a laughable moment that adds to the, you know, I don't know, the piling on or the questioning of uh, David Tepper right now and and his influence on that football team down there. And something like that can be, under the right circumstances, a humanizing moment for anyone, especially someone like David Tepper, who is distant from the rest of us because of the wealth, the extreme wealth. He was the richest owner in the NFL by a fairly sizable multi-billion dollar margin before the Walmart clan decided to, you know, head from Arkansas to Denver last year. And they, they like lapped David Tepper a couple of times and Bezos is going to blow them all out of the water when he shows up. But Tepper was the richest guy in the NFL for a few years. And, and so there is that, you know, he's, he's like separate and apart. And yesterday was one of those rare occasions where this person who is usually insulated from everyone swoops in under bad circumstances. Usually they don't show up unless it's good circumstances. This was bad day for David Tepper to be meeting with the media because people are upset and people are confused. And people are very confused by his declaration that he has extreme patience elsewhere. I mean, I guess he's making up for it. It averages out to just regular patience. When you have extreme patience in the job nobody cares about where he's made billions of dollars and you have absolutely no patience as a sports owner. He's fired two MLS coaches in two years of owning a team, including the coach just after they made it to the postseason this year. And I understand it's a broader postseason than other sports, but still, the coach made it to the postseason in his first year, and he gets fired. And now you've fired Ron Rivera and Matt Rule 
and Frank Reich. We'll get it right. Frank Reich in a short time as owner of the team when they had three coaches before in the history of the organization. They had three coaches before that. You've gone through three, and I know he inherited Ron Rivera, and that was just a matter of time. Yeah. But to make that big play to get Matt Rule to overpay him so he wouldn't go interview for the Giants job, and look, Matt Rule didn't work out, but still, he overpaid him, and then he went straight to Frank Reich. He made a beeline for Frank Reich, and and he's gone during his first season on the job. So don't tell us you have extreme patience. Show us you have any patience by not having a revolving door of coaches who aren't getting it done fast enough to your liking. And anyone who knows anything about patience or the lack thereof knows he's not patient. Yeah, well, yeah, he's used to getting what he wants. You know, that, that's you know, usually what happens with really, really rich people. And I don't, I'm not just saying that about him. Hey, listen, I'm, you know, I'm someone that's been fortunate too. And, you know, when you want it, you want it. And if you can get it, you want it now. And I want it now because I can get it and I got it and I got the money. So I understand like the impatience a little bit, the competitive nature that some of these guys have. They're used to being successful and everybody telling them they're the man and they're the best thing going. So they want to be able to show all their other rich friends and everybody, hey, look, I bought a team and I'm sticking my nose in there now. and Look how good we're doing. I not only know how to make billions, I kind of know how to run a football team too. I got you. You there, other billionaire friend. You don't know how to run a, fil- a, f- a football team like I do. You know, I think there's a lot of that element that plays into this. Whatever you want to say, you know, ego, narcissism, whatever. Right? You know, I I don't fault Matt Rule. He showed a little patience with Matt Rule. He went out on a limb and and got a guy from college who turned around two college programs and had a little NFL background and tried to go with that. You know, showed a little patience there. I think made the right call in getting out of that marriage last year all the way. Steve Wilkes takes over, does a good job, you know, but to, to me where it got funny and everything was a little weird, the hastiness of the Frank Reich decision and Frank hiring him, I was also, will say, I was surprised Frank Reich was so quick to jump in and, and get back in the mix and just take a job right away. But, uh, yeah, they're in a tough spot right now. And the spotlight's on David Tepper because things aren't going the right way. They're going the wrong way. And then I think when you add on top of that the losing record, the underwhelming look of the offense this year, ooh, from everybody you talk to in football, it sounds like, hey, he kind of wanted Bryce Young and put the the kibosh on everybody else, and that doesn't look good. And it's C.J. Stroud who's like, already a top 10 quarterback in football it's like undeniable it's it's a bad look it's it's a tough week for David Tepper right now and what he's going through you said a lot there but yeah, I'm sorry to me it just no I'm not criticizing I'm yeah. saying there's a lot I want to say in response yeah and I need to remember it all now because it was good <laughs> stuff it's not a criticism uh Frank Reich it's not a criticism I have great respect for you Frank Reich but um it, it's almost like This year was all about making the ultimate all-in move, all the chips to the center of the table, and he walked away before all the cards were turned over. That's what it has that feeling of. Like, we don't know what's going to happen, and it's too early to make – and so, like, we're at a time where decisions are made about quarterbacks way too quickly. Up or down, yes or no, boom or bust. When you flush the toilet on the coach who was hired in the same year where you make this big play to go from number nine to number one and you mortgage your future and you give up what's going to be the first overall pick next year quite possibly 
to help you get this guy and you get rid of the coach. I mean, it just it 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 that it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't look well it, thought it out in any sense. aspect. It doesn't look well it thought looks out. Rash, right? Impetuous, right? And it's got that you were touching on it. It's that Veruca Salt quality. I want it now, not next year, not next week, not next hour. I want it now. And the harder he tries to get it now, the more chaos he's going to create. That's what he doesn't realize. And I don't know that he's capable of it. I think part of the problem is when you have amassed that much success, that much wealth, that much power, you become detached from reality. And you have no self-awareness at that point. It's impossible. Your self-awareness disappears with the first billion, I would assume. By the time you get to 17, 18, 19, 20, you got no chance. And you also have purchased this asset that is going to continue to appreciate, that is worth maybe 8 or $9 billion right now if you were to sell it. So this guy's swimming in cash. He's swimming in power. He's swimming in influence. But he wants this other thing that is elusive, and it's tormenting him. Chris, and you hit the nail on the head. This is ultimately about the billionaire's competing with the other billionaires who's got the biggest yacht who's got the most who's who's right that's what it is at a fundamental level this is it's not good enough to say you know what you know what let me just check out the portfolio here beyond the stuff that i already got from the hedge fund managing that i've done extremely well at let's just look at what this football team's worth. Let's look at the cash flow. Let's look at the balance sheet. Let's look at all the accounting terms that I really don't know what they are, but I heard them on TV or in a movie once, and I'm just spitting them out there. There's no write-offs here. There's no, there's no depreciating assets here. They're kicking ass. Just sit back. The money is flowing in. You'd have to try to lose money as an NFL owner. Right. It's Brewster's millions, and you still wouldn't squander it all. But that's not enough, Chris, because in the in the club oligarch, you stand out by being the best, by pursuing the trophies and yeah. amassing the championships. And he wants that so badly, and he wants it too badly. And there's no one to tell him that he's on the wrong path. There's no one to say, hey, Emperor, you're naked on that horse. And that's the problem. And you could sense that vibe. If you listen to the press conference yesterday, you could just sense that vibe. When it was time to go, it was time to go. And Scott Fowler, the Charlotte Observer, was was protesting, was strenuously objecting because he didn't get to ask a question because he dared. He dared to question whether or not the emperor was wearing any clothes the day before when he wrote a column saying David Tepper should fire himself. So he's sitting there front row, raising his arm like Horshack, trying to ask a question, and they snubbed him. I mean, that's that's what happens when you become detached from reality by having $20 billion or more in assets. You don't have to answer to anyone. You're not going to answer to anyone. You're going to do what you want, and no one is going to tell you any differently. And that's what we saw play out yesterday, and we've seen it play out during his tenure as owner of the team. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I you know, don't disagree with a lot of, of what you said there. You know, it, it is, it, it is, you know, an out of reality world. Uh, you know, some people that are out of touch maybe with, you know, the normal everyday person. For sure. And it becomes a little bit like, you know, yeah, I'm rich, you're rich, I'm rich, but I, I have a team and you don't. And it just, it's a little of all that. Certainly, you know, you hit on the, 
You know, I, listen, I live here in, in, in Greenwich, Connecticut, right? Next town over. You know about Greenwich a little bit. It's, it's hedge funders and hundred millionaires and billionaires and everything. And we got a few friends that are really, really rich. And, you know, my wife and I, just to your point, we laugh every now and then. We might tell them one of, you know, a problem we got. And they'll go, oh, well, just do this, this, and this. And we look at each other and laugh and go, well, we don't have enough money to do that. No, that's not in our playbook. We can't do that. <laughs> right? And they don't even they're like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, okay. Well, okay, well, let's think about this then. Yeah, that's not possible. So, you know, but, but that is the way that world is. And right now it looks like a guy that is, you know, just – Closing his eyes and swinging as hard as he can. I hope the ball hits my bat and I hit a home run on one of these decisions. That's what it looks like a little. You know, whether you want to unpack the, the, the hastiness and, and Frank Reich hiring him, the, you know, the bold move and from everything we know to get Bryce Young and come up to the number one pick and go all in right there. But also, you know, hey, you can question trade away the the best player on your team, maybe, you know, and DJ Moore that's also going to be there to help your quarterback out. You know, there were some things there. And then, of course, the firing of Frank Reich, like you said, it's hard. It's hard to know, you know, how can you evaluate the whole situation this quickly? You know, 12 weeks in, rookie quarterback, team not extremely talented, not a lot of got, like good pieces around that rookie quarterback. Rookie quarterback was, you know, a little bit of a, I don't want to say a reach, but an unknown as far as NFL goes, that small, not crazy fast. What, you know, this is a new experiment here, and he's not got to play, you know, with a formula that makes sense for this experiment. You know, I think all of those things right now kind of look bad on David Tepper and looks like he's just, yeah, he's, he's hoping he hits a home run without opening his eyes. And that's right. And to take your baseball analogy a step further, he's pissed off at the ball for not striking <laughs> his bat. Right, right. How right. dare this ball not go in the direction I want it to go in? And he's just trying too hard. It goes back to the Amazon series that, that was really the first foray into this connection we now see between the league and Amazon all or nothing. It was the in season kind of hard knocks, but we didn't see it as it was playing out. It would drop after the season ended and you never really knew what team it was going to be. And just like, boom, there it is. There's all the episodes. And it was the Cardinals one year. It was the Cowboys one year. It was the Panthers one year right after David Tepper right. bought the team. And I remember in the last episode, and I'm sure it's out there somewhere, in the last episode, he's in the back of an SUV and he's talking about what it takes in the NFL. And he said, it's all set up for everybody to be right around 500. And the way you push it your, your way to have the better record than 500 is to have a great coach, a great GM, and you've got to have a great quarterback. And what had we seen? What was the precursor? to what they did to go get Bryce Young, Chris. They kept trying to get somebody, and nobody wanted to go there. Remember, they wanted Deshaun Watson. He didn't want to go there. And so I think you get to a point of exasperation as David Tepper. We can't get a quarterback. When a quarterback's available, he doesn't want to come here. We'll just go draft him, and we're not going to screw around at pick number nine. We're going all the way to the top, and we're going to get whoever we want. And that guy's going to have to come here because that's the way it is. It's an honor and a privilege. He's going to have to come here, and he's going to have to play for us, and that's going to solve all of our problems. And I think that might be one of the reasons why he walked away from the table while they were still flipping the cards after he went all in because he just realized, you know, I did everything in my power to get the coach and the quarterback, 
and the all-star coaching staff with Jim Caldwell and Thomas Brown as the offensive coordinator and Josh McCown coming in to be the quarterback's coach. And I've done all this stuff and it still isn't working. Like I I'd like to think at some point he'll turn the light back on himself and question his own role in it. But, but how does that happen? Whoever begins to breathe to him, this notion to whisper the idea that maybe it's you. Yeah, right. Maybe it's the way you're handling things. Yeah. Maybe it's your involvement in these decisions. Maybe you need to back off and just be a fan. Be, be, Be the person who watches the games, like the fans. The difference is they pay the money and you get the money. But just let the people who've been doing this their whole lives. Don't hover over their shoulders. You know, none of us wants to try to do something with someone else breathing down our neck questioning everything we do why'd you do this why'd you do that do this wait do this do this do this just let me do my thing i know what i'm doing you hired me to do my job let me do my job right that's the problem he won't step back and let go he thinks if he works hard enough i'm smart enough i work hard enough i want it bad enough it's all gonna go my way and it's sad that he doesn't see that's not how it works no i I, you know i think that um it's it's one of those where I don't know if the situation gets fixed until, you know, there's enough egg on his face or enough embarrassment to where he looks in the mirror and makes the self-adjustment that you're talking about. And public scrutiny and stuff like this where he hasn't had to deal with a whole lot of this in his life. Everything's been, you know, better roses. I'm making money, you know, but nobody knew who really David Tepper was in the public eye until now. You know, maybe, you know, the Carolina fan base, us, the way we're talking about him, I'm sure other people today are going to have some, you know, things that, that challenge King Tepper down there in Carolina right now. So maybe that's enough to make him reevaluate his situation and how he should handle things. You know, to me, it's like like you said, it's either buy the team and get the hell out of the way and and trust that you hired the right people to run the team the right way or. You have to be the exact opposite. If you want to stick your nose in there and get involved in decisions, then you got to go all in and be in there to, to do the dirty work. And that's where I'll go to somebody like, that's where I got great respect for a Jerry Jones, right? Jerry Jones, uh, I, I, he went all in at some point after Jimmy Johnson and started to go, I'm going to learn this damn game and learn about how to scout, how to build team and culture of a football team. And I think it was part of the reason he hired Bill Parcells is so he can learn from him too and learn how to run a team and do all that. And they're all in. And okay. And he's proven to us now after, you know, quite some time, he knows he's got a good eye for talent. They've had a ton of talented guys on their team since they've been the the GM down there. So it's got to be one or the other, but it can't be, I'm off on the yacht sitting on my gold toilet. And then all of a sudden I come in on a Friday afternoon and I tell everybody what's going on in football. That ain't going to fly. That ain't going to fly. And so that's where I think, you know, hopefully an adjustment can be made as we go forward. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, 
Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. I, I think that one of the issues, and look, one of the, and I said I've said the same thing the past couple of days. I got a ton of respect for Jerry Jones because he made himself the GM. Yeah, he's not the air quotes GM. He is yeah, the GM. Right, you're right. The moment he bought the team, he made himself the GM. That would not fly nowadays. And look, he pulled it off pre-free agency, pre-salary cap. It was a simpler job in 1989 than it became in the 90s and is today. But he stayed with it. He's out there. He's not hiding beside, behind somebody who's doing what he wants the person to do and then blaming that person when it goes sideways and firing them. Yeah. Jones is owning it. And there's a continuum of owners. And it's Jerry Jones at one end who makes himself the GM. And then there's the person who seems completely detached and uninvolved, but they're still involved in some of the big stuff. But even then, they're not necessarily putting their thumb on the scale yeah. or tipping things the way they want. Yeah. But Tepper is far closer to Jones just like Jimmy Haslam has been in Cleveland. And, Chris, one common denominator there is both of those guys got started as limited partners with the Steelers. And I think it warps your view of what it means to be an NFL owner when you are a limited partner with a family-run team for decades because that's what Art Rooney II has done. That's what his dad, Dan Rooney, did. That's what his dad, Art Rooney Sr., did. They've been all in. Yes, this has been the exactly. family business. Right. So they see, and Art Rooney, people don't see this because he's not out there saying, I have final say over everything. I can veto everyone. I make the final call no matter what. And we're going to get to that coming up because that's what Tepper does. Tepper said it yesterday. If it's five in the room and four say one thing and I want to do the other thing, we're doing the other thing. Art Rooney never comes out and says that. But they get their introduction to football by seeing how Art Rooney runs the team so they think that's always the way you do it. But like you said, it only works if you're all in. Right. And it only works as an owner if you don't wear it on your sleeve. You've got to be subtle about it. And and it also helps to have a team that's in contention every year. Yeah. People look the other way on meddling owners when the meddling contributes to success. Right. Right. Well, you know, you know, I think that what you're saying and what the Rooney's there and what I think we're all saying and what Jerry Jones even learned from 1989 to now – there's nuance in building a great team and what it takes to, you know, build the culture that everybody talks about in an environment where everybody understands we're all on the same page and this is what we like to do and this is how business is run here. You know, those are the things you hear when people go to Pittsburgh. You know, but like you said too, it's a hundred years of that. They learned that. It took them forever. Pittsburgh sucked forever. I mean, so it's not like it's the easiest thing in the world to do. 
And, yeah, there's nuance in, ooh, I found a coach, and I like what he does, and he does things the right way. Okay, wait, I'm going to kind of, you know, keep that coaching tree alive and, you know, have guys that are off of that still involved in the organization because they understand, you know, what it took from that last head coach to make it successful. That's where the Roonies have done great of keeping people in the organization that understand the Steeler way, let alone through the years he's learned an eye for, oh, wait, oh, 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 that, that's, oh, that, that's, that's TJ Watt. Okay, I know him. He, he looks like Greg Lloyd of the 90s or Kevin Green, and he's got all these other great players to pull from in his brain, from his history, and his nuance of being around great football players. And that's just not learned overnight. I know everybody thinks we're in the world of fantasy football and you just press a button on your phone and go, he's playing, I know who's better. It's just not that easy, you know? It, it is. It's just like any other great business in the world. Like, you got to learn the tricks and the trades of how things work and, you know, what works and who works and, you know, what kind of find that right formula. And he's in search of that right now. And that's where, again, I go back to, closed eyes, swinging for the baseball, home run. And that's what it feels like with the Frank Reich. And that's what it feels like a little bit, of course, with the quarterback situation. And I think that's probably where we're going to go next anyways. That's exactly where we're going to go because that's the root of all of this frustration. That's why he walked away from the table before they finished turning over the cards on the first season of Bryce Young and Frank Reich working together in Carolina. They're has been a belief for months now that David Tepper wanted Bryce Young, that David Tepper made it clear he wanted Bryce Young, and that the people who work for David Tepper, lest they be viewed as somebody who's not fully aligned with the multi-billionaire who owns the team, they went along with what they knew the boss was ultimately going to do. Here's David Tepper from yesterday responding to reports that Frank Reich not Reich, but Reich wanted C.J. Stroud and that Tepper wanted Bryce Young. And all those decisions, um, you know, whether it was a head coach, whether it was Bryce, I don't really vote on those decisions until the last piece. Okay, so those decisions are made by, you know, in the case of the, by the football people. Now, look, everything that's right and everything that's wrong here ultimately is my fault. Okay, I have the final say. But as far as those decisions, whether it's Frank Wright or it's Bryce Young, um, those decisions were made. And in the case of Bryce, it was almost, I believe it was a unanimous decision on the coaches and the, and the scouts and very strong opinions at the time. Um, now, it's been reported and we talked about it. Originally, we were going to go to the number two pick and, and uh, we thought we would get CJ because we thought the Texans were going to pick Bryce. And listen, we preferred Bryce. He was our number one pick. We had a lot of conviction. Um, but, uh, you know, in answer to your questions, it's just not the way the process was done. The process was done the way the process was done. And again, even though if there was a process with five people in the room and, four, and the way the votes came in, it was Frank was the first choice, I always could veto that choice. And even if it was Bryce and the votes came in unanimously in this particular case, I could have vetoed that choice. He said so much there. He revealed so much that should be depressing to Panthers fans. He's basically admitting he runs the show and he reserves the right to ignore, to ignore what the paid professionals who have been doing this their whole professional lives have chosen to do. They can all come in and say, 
we want CJ, we want CJ, we want CJ. Okay, fine. I want Bryce. He's got that power. And he's willing to talk about his ability to use it. That's, that's billionaire privilege to the extreme, where you're prepared to ignore every one of the people who have been doing this their whole lives, their opinions, because you know better. How the, how, how the hell, how, how the fudge do you know better? than the people who have been doing it their whole lives, when unanimously they say, we want to go this way and you want to go the other way. Just the fact that that's his attitude, Chris, that that explains why it was unanimous for Bryce Young. You know why it was unanimous for Bryce Young? Yeah, I know. Because they all knew what the boss wanted. Yeah. They all knew what the boss wanted. And I did a little digging last night. Yeah. They all knew what the boss wanted. Yeah. So when it's time to vote and you know what the boss wants, what's your vote going to be? What's, it's kind of like if there was a jury system where the foreperson also had final say over the verdict and what the other jurors said didn't matter, and the other jurors knew, when it's time to cast your ballots, why waste your time? You know where this is going to go. There's a certain element of that to it. What's the point, especially when, the, and this is where the analogy goes sideways, the four-person the jury can fire you from the jury. Yeah, like, right. you just, you know, you need, to, you, you need to go along to get along. And even then it didn't help Frank Reich. He went along, and he still got fired, even if he would have wanted C.J. Stroud. It doesn't matter. That's the point. It doesn't matter if he would have preferred C.J. Stroud. The boss wanted Bryce Young, and the whole process was about supporting what the boss wanted. So the boss looks good. And I, I really do think the reason this all fell apart, because C.J. Stroud's been so good. I think it's if, a huge part of it. If C.J. Stroud yeah. isn't as great as he's been, yes. Frank Reich is still employed by David Tepper. <laughs> You're funny. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you there. That, that put like three, four, five times more pressure on the whole situation. Each week that went by, it was like, holy cow. I mean, C.J. Stroud, I mean, C.J. Stroud, other than the Panthers game, has been phenomenal in every game this year, ironically. I mean, really. That was his worst game of the year, coming off the bye, playing the Carolina Panthers, and of course, they lost that game. But, I, I mean, there's too many signs. There's too many things. First off, David Tepper already let us know how smitten he was with Bryce Young after the, the dinner they had, after his workout. That sounds like, from you go back and look at stuff from there, it kind of goes to like, oh, that, that their mind was made up right then. They had dinner, and and, you know, Bryce Young, I know, is a great young man, and he's charismatic, and that he showed David Tepper and family, I'm the guy you want, and they were sold after that. There's no doubt. You know, I, I'm like you. I did some digging, too, with a lot of people in the NFL because it's just like it's one of those things, you know, hey, I know this person. They know some people in Carolina. They know some people. Let me do it. And, yeah, I mean, listen, everybody believes that David Tepper is a huge meddler in that organization and sticks his nose into a lot of conversations, right? And I can't – and I'm going to share this, right, because, you know, one, like, you know, Frank Reich, okay – We've talked about this back during the draft process. All right, there's nothing in his history that says he would believe in a quarterback like Bryce Young. Nothing, right? Frank Reich is old school, 80s quarterback like we talked about, where he believes in quarterbacks that were like him or the guy he backed up in Jim Kelly. 
That guy can stand in there and make throws all over the field, and he's not going to blink or flinch when the pocket collapses or people around me, right? We've talked about this with Kyler Murray. There's a faction of football when I worked in New England. They were, there was a certain size measurement where if you were below it, you can't play football for the New England Patriots and quarterback because you're not big enough and strong enough, and you're not going to be able to throw through the elements, and it's not going to translate to cold playoff football, and they want nothing to do with it. And there's still a huge faction in the NFL that believes in that. And this is where I'm getting to. And my point is, is, you know, as we got close to the draft, right? You know, I know a lot of people in the Carolina organization and I had talks with some of these people at the combine about the quarterbacks. And then it was a few weeks before the draft. And I've told you this and I'm sharing it now. I felt like I was being sold on Bryce Young by all them. Like they knew I was a CJ Stroud guy. They knew he was in my tier one by himself with everybody else, you know, below it. And I felt like I was being give the being read the you know the riot act and what I'm missing about Bryce Young and why it'll work and why he's worth the number one pick. Again, I nobody tattletailed on David Tepper and was like, oh, Tepper's making us do this or whatever. But I know I've told you in the past, and I'm speaking about it publicly, that, yeah, I felt like I was being sold on Bryce Young by people in that Carolina organization. And that's always led me to believe that David Tepper, you know, had his his hand in the stew there. And I think that's the basic reality. You're not going to have unanimity among an entire coaching staff when you factor in all their different experiences and attributes and likes and dislikes and you throw in the scouts. You're not going to have them all saying Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud based on the point you made. There are people, a chunk, and we've talked about Kyler Murray in the past. Like, if he was available to be traded, how many teams would really want him? Not many, because you're going to have that mindset out right. there that there's that range. It's The, the Parcells range, I think, was like 6'2 to 6'7. Exactly right. Because he also thought you could be too tall. Too tall isn't good like either. Dan McGuire. Exactly. Big. Exactly. Right. So there, there was a range that, that you fit, and that's it. It's just period. It's a sorry you're not tall enough. It, we're, we, you, you can play for somebody else, but you can't play for me. So how are you going to have, when you look at all the people in that organization in football operations, all the scouts, all the coaches, how in the world are you going to have a unanimous decision? And, and he did make a Freudian slip, as an executive from another team pointed out. He says it was almost, I believe it was unanimous. There may have been, there may have been a brave soul or two who dared, who dared to push back against what Veruca Salt wanted. But let's assume that he's telling the truth when he says it was unanimous. How the hell is it unanimous unless they all know this is what the boss wants? We got to make chicken salad here. Yeah, you know, we may prefer a guy on the right side of six feet. Yeah, you know, there really isn't any one thing Bryce Young does that makes us say, oh, wow, that's guy, that guy's going to be another Mahomes. Like he's he's going to manage and he's going to, you know, and he's going to deliver the ball. He's going to run an offense once we put an offense around him. There isn't anything about him that makes us say, wow, this is the no-brainer number one overall pick. But the boss wants him. And so that's the way we're going. And that's, that's what happened. It's so obvious for those of us who follow this all the time. And I think it's becoming obvious to the fan base as well. And I think yesterday, if you really look at what he said yesterday and listen to it and understand what it means, the evidence is there that, number one, this guy runs the show. He's not afraid to say so. And he made it known that he liked Bryce Young, that's how it was unanimous because nobody wants nobody wants to push back 
against the guy who may be extremely patient when it comes to managing head funds, but he, we know, we know he's not patient when it comes to his sports teams. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that's very true. It's well said. And then it's he wants it now. I don't, I don't, you know, I do believe that it's a guy that wants to win. He wants to, he's willing to spend money and do the things for the organization to win, right? But it, it's it's not something that you can just snap your fingers at and and you know or or reading you know I don't know the scroll on the, you know on in in Wall Street and figuring out oh if I sell this and buy high and sell low and boom 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 it's just not quite as easy as that it's human beings there's a lot of moving parts with this and I think you know he's at a beginner phase of learning the game that way. And that's where, you know, between the impatience, wanting it now, right, ego, and, hey, I'm smart. I figured one thing out. I'm sure I can figure this out right away. It's just not as easy as that. It takes a little time. It takes the nuance that we talked about. you got to learn from some people who have been around the game. And right now it seems like he's a little hasty and sticking his nose where he doesn't belong at times and, and you know, making decisions that are uh, compromising the, the organization right now. You know, it reminds me of a movie from like 15 years ago that I vaguely recall to the point where maybe it wasn't even a, a movie. Maybe I just had a weird. Maybe it was one of your night. dumb dreams think, again. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Sims back at his high school at his current age, bullying all the kids to vote for him to be class president. I think it was a movie with Billy Bob Thornton, and it may have been called like the astronaut farmer or something very obvious like that. But it was a guy who was a farmer who wanted to be an astronaut. And, and it's like, I'm going to work really hard. Right, I'm going to work really hard at this, and I want it really bad. There's a lot of stuff that no matter how committed you are to doing it, no matter how badly you want it, it just doesn't work that way. It's not a matter of elbow grease, of getting up early and staying up late. There's so much more that goes into it. And I think David Tepper believes that his desire, his work ethic, and all the things that made him king of the hedge funds will make him king of the billionaires, have the shiniest gold toilet of all of them, have the most Lombardi trophies of all of them, be able to say, I'm the best of all the oligarchs and I'm going to live forever. I mean, that, that element crept through yesterday. I mean, when he said, oh, I hope he eulogizes me in 40 years, the next coach, oh, 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 next coach I hope he eulogizes me in 40 years. It's like, you're 66 and you don't exactly exude guy who's going to make it to 100. So, but that's the attitude. I've wanted everything else. I'm going to win at this too. I'm going to beat everything, including death. That, that becomes the hubris that infects the overall existence of someone like that. It, it really is amazing. It's borderline Shakespearean that in this sport we love, the people who ultimately own the teams are that way. Not all of them, but plenty of them. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's amazing. Uh, it's 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 adds to the intrigue of our sport, and we'll see where this goes. You know, again, there's only 32 of these jobs out there, so somebody's still going to want this job. Doesn't matter that David Tepper sticks his nose in the situation a little bit, you know. But yeah, they got their work cut out for him, and David Tepper is definitely going to be one of those owners right now for the foreseeable future, where. You know, NFL fans and the Carolina media and Carolina Panther fans are going to be all over him, watching him to see what moves he makes and who he hires and how this all goes with this this current situation they're in. We'll see where it goes, but they're certainly in a dicey spot that uh, 
you know, they didn't they didn't imagine themselves being in here when they drafted Bryce Young. You've taken us in that direction about hiring the next coach, and you're right, there are only 32 of these jobs, but some are more desirable than others. Here is Tepper yesterday on whether it will be difficult to hire the next coach given the manner in which he has gone through the first three that he's fired. Here he is. No. I think that, I don't know, and again, I'm not going to get into it here, but I think that, um, you know, it's, there are different reasons why different things happened in each, each case. Um, you guys see, like I said, everything is out in the field. Everything is known over time, and I think people know it, the league knows it, and people in the league know it. So I think that um, if we were, if we, everything was perfect, it wouldn't be the case. And everything was good, it wouldn't be the case. So it's not as if it's not known out there reasons, and, you know, that will be something for people to decide. Just generally speaking, and not here, but and not that this matters because this is here. But, you know, in other aspects of my life, we have people for 20, 30 years that work for me. Nobody ever leaves me. Yeah, nobody ever leaves because he doesn't tell them to fire because there's no wins and losses. The only wins and losses in the other aspects of his business are money. If it was only about making money, he wouldn't fire anybody from the Panthers either. But there's a different analysis that drives him crazy because he can't rig it in his direction. He can't make it work the way he wants to. That's why he becomes impatient. And, Chris, whoever takes that job, and I I firmly believe that anyone that's got choices, if I've got Panthers offer or insert other team, right, if I've got these, which way am I going to go? Now, the money may be the thing that breaks the tie, and that may be what David Tepper has to do. He has to offer basically hazard pay to come work for him to get him to do it. And the other element too, Chris, you're going to have some coaching candidates for this job who really wouldn't have wanted Bryce Young that, that's because they 100%. fall into the Parcells Patriots 100%, camp. Right. So then you, so then you're maybe going to get yourself a Josh McDaniels who shows up and first order of business is how do I get rid of this quarterback? He did it in Denver and he did it in Las Vegas, got rid of Jay Cutler before they even played a single game his first year. And then after one year with Derek Carr, Carr was gone. So you better be careful, David Tepper, that you're hiring somebody who's truly committed to Bryce Young and not just saying what needs to be said so you'll sign the contract that guarantees $70 million over five years. And then after that, I'm golden. And if I want to undermine Bryce Young, if I want to coach this team in a way that makes it clear that Young isn't the guy so I can go get my guy, what are you going to do, fire me? Fine. I'll go and I'll take all your money with me. Yeah, no, I, 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 you know, I think you bring up a lot of good points there. You know, it, it it's definitely going to be a situation with the owner that you know we all know NFL head coaches. You know, they're they're going to look at it and go, damn, like yeah, I want to be an NFL head coach or an assistant coach that wants to be an NFL. Yeah, damn, I want to be an NFL head coach, but man, is that the situation I want to go into? Ah, man, I gotta gotta have an owner looking over my shoulder, kind of sticking his face into my business, kind of telling me which way he wants me to do certain things. Yeah, that's not going to exactly appeal to a lot of coaches in football. But like we talked about, there's not a lot of opportunities out there. And then you add the Bryce Young situation into it. There's no doubt you're going to have coaches that are going to go, "Damn." You know, this is my one chance to be a head coach, and I'm not sure I want to be stuck with a player like Bryce Young as my quarterback. 
The problem with Bryce Young and one of the things that I didn't love about him coming out in the draft is, to me, he can only be in one offense. It has to be spread out, and he's got to throw it quick, and that's all there is to it. And they're coming to that determination. They know that. They have to build. That's what they have to build there. It has to be like Alabama where it's wide open, you know, because if the game's tight and close and people are around him in the pocket and he's got to run, you know, play action and all that, you know, he, he can't stand in there and make throws. You know, as quick as his releases and some of the things we talk about that I love, you've heard me say this, I think, on Sundays, the back end of plays, he loses time there. So, yeah, he can make a quick decision and get the ball out of his hands quick, but he he can't stand in there and make a make a the pocket collapsing. Ooh, the tight ends open on a ten yard out route, and I'm gonna get hit throwing it. He doesn't do that. He can't do it. He has to protect himself, just like the throw on the second to last play of the game on Thursday night against the Carolina against the Chicago Bears. There was a ten yard out to the tight end, right? Pocket collapsed. He has to duck and chuck because he's got to save himself. A lot of coaches aren't gonna love that. He's kind of pigeon-tailed to the spread offense, you know. It's a little like with Tua. It's going to be the, kind of the same thing. Not can't run it. we got to get an all-star team around him. we got to spread it out. Then he can show what he does a little bit. So they got a lot of work there to do, and that's not going to appeal to all coaches out there as far as being the head coach with the Carolina Panthers. You've been doing a good job at not giving us new Simsisms, but you just gave us one in pigeon-tailed. It's pigeon-holed. <laughs> pigeon-holed. I'll take pigeon-tailed. Okay. Because <laughs> it sounds a little bit like pin the tail on the donkey. I think you were confusing pin the tail on the donkey with pigeon-hole, and out comes pigeon-tailed. So pigeon-tailed, Simsisms, pigeon-tailed. Um, here's a couple of other realities, and then we need to take a break. Yeah. you got to be careful when you're choosing your destination as a head coach because – you maybe get two opportunities. That's right. And if your first That's one right. goes sideways, right. then you got to go back and you got to prove yourself all over again. You got to hope the window opens and you got to know when to slide through it, but you can't slide through the wrong window. That's the problem. And you made the point earlier, Chris, as to why Frank Reich rushed into this because. He had his opportunity at a time when no one expected him to get one. Speaking of Josh McDaniels, it was after he left Jim Ursay at the altar that the door even opened for Frank Reich in Indianapolis. And now all of a sudden, this this arrangement is in place for him to go to Carolina. And it's like, yeah, why would you do that? Well, I, I suspect that anybody who tried to warn him about David Tepper, the response was, I just worked with Jim Irsay for five years. I'll be fine. And he found out. He found out that for all his flaws and faults, Jim Irsay isn't as bad as David Tepper. Jim Irsay at least gave him four and a half years to try to work it out. And, you know, Frank, I want to say this, too, because Frank Reich told the Charlotte Observer when this all went down on Monday, this is probably the end of his NFL journey. Yeah. Has, has any coach gotten screwed by circumstance more than Frank Reich? No, probably when not. You think about how it yeah. started. His first year, right. he took them to the final eight with They're Andrew 12 and four, right? Yeah. Or 11 and his, five. His second year. Yeah. Right before the start of the season, not, not, you know, after the prior season ended or not at the start of training camp like Barry Sanders did Like preseason game number three. Right during the game itself, yeah. Andrew Luck is retiring. Are you freaking kidding me? And then they ricochet around from veteran quarterback to veteran quarterback. Guys who were maybe one year too late to show up in Indianapolis, whether it was Phillip Rivers or Carson Wentz or or whoever else I'm forgetting, but good Lord. And through it all, they weren't horrible. 
And then, and then Jim Irsay gets it in his head. He's going to make Jeff Saturday into a head coach, so Frank Reich has to go at a time when they weren't even a horrible team. Their record wasn't bad. And, and the guy, the guy I, I feel bad for him. I do, I too. I feel bad for him. I hear you. And not, not many guys get a third chance, and I don't know that he even wants one at this point. I guess after the first two, it's like, you know, life's too short to deal with this crap. But I, I feel bad for him. Because I think he's gotten screwed by circumstance. I'm not making excuses for him, but when you look at the hand he's been dealt, yeah, good pretty God, rough. right, pretty rough. I mean, he he did he did a really a way better job than people realize with the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, yeah, whether it was Andrew Luck the first year, you know, was it Jacoby Brissett the second year, and they were doing good, and he got hurt, and that kind of derailed things to where you were like, damn, they're going to go to the playoffs to Jacoby Brissett. You know, then he goes to the playoffs and has the Bills, right? He's, he goes to the playoffs with Phillip Rivers, who can't throw the ball past 25 yards, and they still win, what, 11 games that year? And they got the Bills on the road. And scared the hell out of the Bills. Oh, if Josh yeah. Allen doesn't make a few plays in the second half that you're like, only he and Mahomes can do that, they're not going to win the game. I mean, plain and simple. So, yeah, uh, not a fair shake for Frank Reich when it comes to head coach. Definitely dealt some bad hands. And I got the sense that, you know, he's exasperated from the whole situation, too. You know, just a little bit with what he said and, you know, this is it for me in the NFL and all that. You know, those are all little quotes and things to me that just, like, kind of feel like, again, like, ah. I'm sick of it, and this owner wore me out, and damn, I'm just I'm done, and 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 that's kind of how it felt. So yeah, we might not see Frank Reich again, but uh, I do feel for him too, like you said, Mike. They asked Shane Steichen, the current Colts coach, whether he would add Frank Reich to his staff, and he said something that was a non-answer, and it dawned on me: wouldn't that be beautiful if Frank Reich goes back to Indianapolis? Working for Jim Irsay and getting paid by David Tepper. That would be that would just be that would be perfect. And it gets him back and if he's and I, I just can't imagine after what he's experienced the last fourteen months or so, I can't imagine wanting to jump back into it. But he seems like the kind of guy who loves it to the point where he's gonna find that it's hard to be away from it. Uh, before we break, by the way, it was not a fever dream that I had back in two thousand seven. It was an actual movie. Wow. That was right. It was wow. the Astronaut Farmer wow. with Billy Bob Thornton. And the plot is about a Texas rancher who attempts to construct a rocket in his barn and launch himself into outer space. It wow. You love you some Bob, Billy Bob Thornton. You do. Did that cover of Billy, that movie well, right there would be enough to, for me to go, I'm not going to watch that one. Okay? I don't know. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why we went to that. I, like, I don't know why I dragged my family to this and subjected them to the astronaut farmer. Seriously. Like, what were you What were the other that choices yeah. that weekend? <laughs> it grossed $11 million against a $13 million budget, and 25 of those dollars came out of my pocket. Good. And yes, I am really questioning the sanity of the 2007 version of me <laughs> that took my wife and my son to see this movie, and I'm amazed my wife stayed with me 16 years after that experience of watching Billy Bob Thornton try to build a rocket in his barn. Agreed. Agreed. We'll have more PFT life. There's nothing more well, than I've said always to that wondered why your wife stayed with you as long, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> more PFT live. Right at, well, I haven't checked to see if she's still here this morning. I'll go check right now. More PFT live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. 
Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 